Welcome to Season 4, Episode 5 of the Statehouse Express. I'm John Elsesser, Executive Director of IMPEA, and thanks for joining us for another update from the Statehouse. This week, we will reach what is called crossover in the legislative session. It's similar to halftime of a sporting event. The Senate and House will finish up their business for the first half of the session on Monday and Tuesday this week, and then they're going to take a break until next week when they'll start the second half of the session. Any bill that passed out of one chamber will start over in the second chamber, and any bill that did not pass on third reading in one chamber will be considered dead. Here's an update on key bills that saw some action last week. House Bill 1001, the House Budget, passed out of the House 66 to 29 along party lines. This version of the budget contains the choice expansions, including eliminating pathways, increasing income eligibility to 400% of free and reduced lunch for both the choice scholarship and the tax credit scholarship programs. It also includes increases to state tuition support, which will also impact the 90% voucher amount. These expansions will face a much greater resistance in the Senate, but more about that later. House Bill 1591 is a various education matters bill, which I refer to as a kitchen sink bill. It also includes the fees language fix, the birth date eligibility fix, and expanding the use of SGO funds for pre-K. It passed out of the Senate 93 to 0. The author of that bill, Representative Boehning, masterfully included enough things in the bill that everybody wants. It almost had to pass. It now heads to the Senate, and as I've said before, everything is harder in the Senate. House Bill 1590, another kitchen sink bill, also includes the removal of the required voucher lottery. It also passed out of the House unanimously. House Bill 1002, this is a priority bill for the House, includes a new concept of CTE ESAs in an effort to increase access for workforce opportunities for high schoolers. And that passed out of the House by a vote of 70 to 25. House Bill 1492, which makes some significant changes to the school safety grant program, passed out of the House 95 to 0. The bill continues to provide access to non-public schools to this grant program. House Bill 1382, which I've shared previously, establishes a grant fund to support robotics programs and competitions. It passed out of the House 91 to 0. And then there was House Bill 1608, which brought a long and contentious debate to the House Education Committee last Monday. The original bill would have forbidden teaching about sexual orientation and gender identity in grades K through 3, although the bill was amended using language of not teaching about human sexuality rather than sexual orientation and gender identity. In a contested move, non-public schools were amended out of that part of the bill. But simultaneously, another amendment uh, that would not allow the use of pronouns or names that were not aligned with a child's birth sex without parental permission. Unfortunately, non-public schools were included in that amendment, and I think it was unintentional. 
Philosophically, many of our IMPA members may not be in opposition to the intent of that bill, but that's not true for all IMPA members. And all IMPA members would be in opposition to state adding more regulations, especially those that could infringe on a school's mission. We hope to get non-pubs removed from that bill on the Senate side, but that could be easier said than done. So like at halftime in any sport, the coach usually gives a pep talk about how to approach the second half, and that's no different in the public policy world in a legislative session. In terms of our choice expansion, we didn't have to work very hard to be successful on the House side. The House has historically been more supportive of choice and its expansions. The battle has always been on the Senate side, and that will be even more true this year. As I shared in a prior episode, a very influential senator has taken an issue that he has manifested with a voucher school and is applying it to the entire voucher program. He has said he would not allow more expansion unless there is more accountability. Of course, we don't buy that non-public schools are not accountable, but we will no doubt have to make our case in the second half of the session. Accountability from a state perspective, INPEA and our choice partners will be ready to address that. Indiana's non-public schools are some of the most regulated in the country, even amongst other choice states. Although to further our argument, we may need to share your local procedures. If a parent is upset or dissatisfied with something at your school, what is their recourse? I'm sure this is delineated in every non-public school's handbook. On top of your local procedures, Indiana is a choice state and no family is forced to attend your school. They do have a choice. But before we get to that choice, what are your policies and procedures? We may need to know to make our point. And outside of that particular issue, we will need all of you to be actively involved. And not just you, the principal or president. We'll need your boards and your parent communities reaching out to their senators. We will need senators who will be champions of choice. When senators meet together privately in caucus, we'll need our champions to stand up and say that all families should benefit from these programs. Indiana has historically led the country in implementing choice programs. Let's not fall behind now. If we're going to get our legislative priorities to the finish line in 2023, we're going to need a large and loud voice rising up for non-public schools and their families. So get ready. And now we'll see you back here next week on the State House Express.